tell you, wait till you hear him. And then you're going to wonder, what part of Nebraska is this guy from? And so, anyway, but it's good to be here. It's such a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to be and worship the Lord, the King of Kings, who is Lord in Nebraska, who is Lord in the Philippines, and is Lord right here in Indiana. I know your basketball team is not as good this year, but God, Jesus still reigns. Anyway, we just have, um, we really, really love your dear pastors very much. We've known Pastor Michael and Ditra and uh, Pastor Phil and Mary. You know, this is family. You know, you go to a place, this is my first time in Bloomington, Indiana. But I don't feel like I'm a guest. I feel right at home. And so we are family, our church in Nebraska it just feels very much connected to this church. And uh, I am uh, a little bit about me, you think, a solo. That's a weird name. What, I always try to emphasize it when I, you know, during the greeting time, I'll shake a few hands. I'm solo, and people will be like, huh? They had me, but they're not sure that that's right. You know, you always get people say things like, well, like Han Solo or Solo the Cup or what? It's none of that stuff. Let me just give you the secret. My full name, my real name is Solomon. When I say Solomon, oh. But you know, Solomon, that guy was so wise. And I thought, you know, I can't live up to that. So I better shorten mine a little bit. Otherwise, the expectation will be too high. And so I lower the expectation, you know. And the guy was smart. And I could see how he handled 700 wives, 300 concubines. You know, I can understand that a guy like him could pull that. What I just cannot get is how he handled a thousand mother-in-laws. <laughs> you know, anyway, I can, say, I can pull that joke because my mother-in-law is not here, but she's good, yeah. But anyway, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. You know, when the Bible says that when two or three are gathered together in his name, that there he is. So right now, where we're sitting, we're sitting in the presence of the Almighty God. Isn't that great? You know, if that doesn't get you excited about worship, if that doesn't get excited about being with the gathering of the people of God, I don't know what would. Because in His presence, the Bible says that there is fullness of joy. Amen? So um, uh, our church, I, I think uh, when I think of Pastor Carter and myself, I think we kind of go on the same path, you know, so we, um, um, our church also went through a transition like yours did, and so, and I know there's a lot of changes that come, and, uh, and the church goes through it, but transition is not a weak thing. Transition actually shows that the church is moving forward. You know, God is a God, he sees the end before the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega, and so it's not like it stopped it's a continuation of what he's doing. And I just want to share with you, Life Church, that the Lord's got some great things in store for your future. Amen. The latter days are going to be better than the former days. Because the Lord has, a, has a, re, a city to be reached. There are a lot of new people that come to um, this city that you're going to be able to impact and bring to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And so... Um, uh, I think sometimes I was joking with Pastor Carter in the office. Maybe it's something to do with our hair. You know, 
I don't know, it seems like we are tracking on the same path here. But, um, but we love him. We love him. He's a great man of God. And I just want to show you, support your pastors, pray for him, be here. You know, just like uh, when um, they spoke to the church in Philippines and they did what the Lord had instructed them. You got an anointed servant of the Lord. And you know, like Jesus said, that sometimes a prophet doesn't receive the same honor at home as he does when they're gone. You see the, the impact of their work and the anointing over their lives when they go out there and, 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 they, and they allow God to use them. You see what God can do. Uh, just don't ever lose sight of that. It's like our families. We get, you know, we, your family, you're really close. You know your brothers and your sisters, and sometimes they are always just your annoying brother that gets on your nerve all the time. But uh, they grow up. People grow up. And the hand of God is over their lives. And we see that anointing. And God's going to do some great things in this, li- in this church. Can't wait to see. Can't wait to see. Um, um, <clears throat> I bring you greetings from Lincoln City Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. They're all going to be studying. Actually, they just started about 30 minutes ago. Um, uh, my wife is not here with me, and uh, I left my kids. Um, uh, and them, you know, uh, we have six children. In fact, I brought a picture. I think that's the best I could do. I couldn't bring them all. We have six children. And uh, do you have a picture there for, for our family? Maybe I can share a little bit about myself here. Oh, there we go. Yeah, so that would be our crew. Our oldest one, Judah, is 10, and uh, our youngest one is 1. You can fill in the blanks. Um, uh, and so, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, it's always harder, you know, when you, I leave the house all the time, every day, but when you're leaving for a long time, it's like I had the three-year-old Tori, she's the one, the only one down there, um, uh, she, you know, she decided, boy, uh, uh, she's going to cry, because they took me to the airport. And what's funny, we, over in December, I'm originally from Kenya, I know you've been wondering, so let me, and I met another Kenyan over there, and we started speaking in tongues immediately. The spirit came, and we just started speaking in tongues. And I see the flag there. You guys are doing great. One, two, yeah, I see the flag over there. So, but anyway, in December, we got to take our whole family to Kenya. You know, we went uh, from Thanksgiving and through Christmas. And so that was really, really fun, and uh, such a blessing to be able to go there and be with family and connect. So, when she heard mommy say, oh, we're going to take that to the airport, she thought we we're going back to Kenya, and she was ready to go to Kenya. And so anyway, but uh, such is life for a three-year-old. Amen. But uh, God is so good. We just love our family, and um, he's just blessed us. We homeschool all of them. I should say we homeschool, but Sarah actually does most of the work. I shouldn't take a lot of credit. But, uh, but it's been great. It's been a great journey uh, just to see the Lord um, um, bless our children. There's a promise in Isaiah 54 that says that your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. That is a, that's a blessing. That's a, faith, that's a promise of God. We need to pray that and believe that for every one of our children and grandchildren and any person that comes after that. Can I get an Amen. The blessing is not only for us, it's for our, ch- our children and our children's children. So we're going to go to the Bible. Uh, if you have it um, uh, with you, uh, open the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, we're going to do Ephesians chapter 6. When you find it, say, yeah! Boy, you haven't... No, that's not what I meant. But Ephesians chapter 6. 
All right, there we go. So anyway, I'm going to read a very familiar passage to many of you here. Um, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and verse, starting in verse 10. Paul says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. I think it's funny that they, they, it's, uh, there is a plural there. The enemy is really smart. And he's not just throwing darts and figuring out, well, I wonder if this one will stick. He's got strategy. And it's not one. He's got a number of them from what you see there. And I think sometimes it's deceiving for us to think that Satan is not smart. He's been on this planet longer than any of us combined. He's seen a lot. So, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against the evil spirit in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, a time of trouble, a time of bad news. You know, Jesus said that in this world you will see trouble. Okay? And so he says, you will be able to stand. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you so much for your presence here today. Your word declares that the entrance of your word brings life. And I pray, God, that you will bring life to every dead area in our lives today. As the word comes forth, Lord, we thank you that your life your word is a life-giving power, Lord. We thank you that at the entrance of your word, we speak life today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 You know, if you continue to read this passage going on, Paul describes the, the whole armor of God. Very familiar with that, I would imagine. And he talks about how, what you're supposed to put on. And in, those, uh, in his, um, uh, the next, to verse 20, if you read 10 to 20, Paul points out about three things, and I'll say them real fast. Number one, he points out the reality of the invisible world. Okay? So he says that we are not fighting for flesh and blood enemies. But the enemies that we encounter are invisible. They, are, they exist in the invisible world. Okay? Your wife is not your enemy. Not your annoying neighbor next door. Or the Joneses on the other side. They're not your enemies. They are enemies that exist in the invisible world. Okay? Then he points out the armor for the warrior, the armor that we need, the armor that's necessary for a warrior to win. Okay? He also, uh, thirdly, he also points out the action that's involved in warfare. Okay? I've always found it really interesting that the scripture uses a lot of military, a lot of uh, war-type analogies. The whole Old Testament is full of War after war after all sorts of uh, uh, combat, or if you would, or some type of uh, of a battle. You know, you hear some of the favorite scriptures talking about you know fight the good fight of faith. You know, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We we are fighting against. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. Well, we are more than conquerors through Christ to strengthen us. No weapon fashioned against us will prosper. The battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. Where the enemy comes as a flood, God raises a standard within us. The Lord is the Lord of hosts. You hear a lot of messages and a lot of analogies that have to do with fighting. 
so much in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, you get a lot of it is very physical. And then so we can use it and, and, and understand the concept uh, that God is trying to relate to us. In the, in the New Testament, it's a lot of spiritual warfare, not so much physical. But nonetheless, we are fighting anyway. And I think, um, I think that there has got to be some significance to that. It, it is for no reason that the Bible uses all these uh, terms in illustrating our walk on earth. Okay? Because I do believe that we are fighting every single time. We're fighting every day. We're fighting, and in fact, oftentimes the battles that are more difficult to, to overcome are the battles uh, that are on the invisible realm. The battles that take place within are typically the, 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 the hard ones. You can be having a great day. Sunshine, snow's gone, it's all beautiful. Then you get a call that just takes you all the way under. Just one call. Those are the battles that are often very difficult to overcome. You're not going to go punch your neighbor for letting their lawn grow too Weeds everywhere and making your neighborhood all ugly. No. It's those battles that we fight from within that tells you that you are not worthy. That tell you, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. How come things seem to happen for them, but they don't seem to happen for me? You know, some of those lies, maybe I should say not lies, it's just strategies. That the enemy knows that, you know, I cannot win this person because they really have Jesus so much, but I'm going to just try to discourage them. The spirit of discouragement is one of the hardest ones to break. Because when you're hopeful, yes, we can do this. And that's why I love youth. I love young people because they, have, they see life so differently. They have a lot of energy. You, you know, I have little kids. And when I start listening to some of the stuff they come up with, my son, you know, there are a lot of pilots in our family. So I think flying is really an interest that comes in. But um, I'm listening to my kids, the boys, they are making up games of flying and everything, and find out they have this whole plan that they're not just going to fly the airplane, they're going to own an airline. And they have figured out already that there is no Lincoln Airlines. I'm thinking, you know, kids have possibility. They think they don't have limitations in their dreams. They dream big. They think huge. And until they start meeting us adults and say, oh, wow, you're not going to do that. It's so hard to do. They still believe it. And as children of God, why does the law say that the kingdom of God is for such as this? Sometimes there are battles that we gave up a long time ago. We had dreams. We, 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 we believed that God could do. We believed in the possibility of God accomplishing great things through our lives. Then we give up. We lose from within. We lose on the invisible side. In Nebraska, they call the life, you know, they state the tagline. I don't know what it is in Indiana. They call it the good life. And the deceptive part of it is that people can put on a good show. 
People can look good on the outside, but within things are really crumbling. And so we learn to, 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 to just concede. We learn to concede. Um, we can put a good smile. You can't tell if this is fake or real. But deep within, we've conceded. We've conceded. Now, <clears throat> Jesus, when he went to the cross, he died. But I thank the Lord that he rose again. And when he rose again, he rose again in victory. His church is a victorious church. His church is a, it's a victorious church. It's not a defeated church. It's a church that the Bible says that no weapon fashioned against us will prosper. That in this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, the church can never be defeated. Can never. And that's an absolute. I don't make a lot of absolute statements. But that's an absolute. The church can never be defeated. It's a foundation that Jesus Christ built. The only way that the church can be defeated is from within. And you, my brother and sister, if you're in Christ, you can never be defeated by any outside forces. The only way you can be defeated is from within. And that's what the enemy knows so well. If he could just get us to settle and to concede from within... So we just exist like any, everybody else. But yet the Christ who lives in you is greater than he that lives in the world. Yet the Holy Spirit that lives in you is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You have a power within you to overcome the enemy. But So the Bible says we need to be very vigilant in understanding the devices and the strategies of the enemy that we have. You know, I came to figure out why the enemy hates me so much. Do you know the enemy hates you? He's jealous of you and I. You remember when you were in school and you had a kid that just was jealous? And jealous people can be very mean. It's like, where did that come from? I was just trying to be nice. The book has been sealed. Our destiny has been sealed. The relationship that you and I have with Christ cannot be taken unless we give it away. Our future is so awesome. It is unbelievable. Don't let Hollywood tell you the picture of heaven. We undercut, we undershot what that looks like. It's not just guys in white robes singing glory, hallelujah. That's great. But I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic. One of my fascinations, I just want to understand the universe. And I know one time I'll be able to. I have that curiosity. Just understand the dynamic of this great creation that God has built. And those that spend eternity with Him will have the opportunity to just be with God. That to me is a fantastic thing. Heaven is not boring. So our future is so secure. It has been paid. Everything has been done. On the cross, he said, it is finished. And he sealed our deal. And Satan knows that. 
Because his deal, his destiny is already been sealed as well. He had his chance. You see, God is a merciful God. I don't believe God just kicked him out. It took a while. It took rebellion before he got. I believe he had the same opportunity than we did. But he's this deal. He, he, he knows his destiny. And we know his destiny. And so when he comes to knock you down one time, just remind him. Hello. You can hit me now, but you can't kill me. Because I know what my destiny is. I know where I'm going. And so he's jealous of the children of God. He's jealous of human beings in general. Because the scripture says that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. As long as they're living and breathing, no matter how bad they are, if they came to the cross and knelt before Jesus and confessed in their hearts and in their mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in their heart, they will be reconciled with God and they will have an eternity. So every living person in, in this city, no matter how crazy, ridiculous they might be, they still have an opportunity to have eternal life with Christ. Amen. Satan doesn't have that. So wouldn't you think he would be hate this human race so much? That helps me a lot sometimes when I think about it in that way. And it helps me endure some tough things sometimes. And be able to know, to soldier on, because 80, 90 years here, it's so small in the scope of all eternity. Look, listen to what Peter said. Peter, 1 Peter 5, uh, 8. Here's what he says. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. As I mentioned earlier, I grew up in Kenya as a kid. And um, I grew up in Nairobi, and I know this church has a connection with Nairobi, Kenya, too, with uh, King's Kids Village. I think you've either sent people there or you support them as well. Yep, and so that's a connection, too, that we have that's together. And I grew up in Nairobi, Kenya, but uh, the place where I grew up as a kid, we were in the edge of the city. And uh, they say Nairobi is the only big city in the world that has a national park in it where this game reserve that you could actually grow, drive about 15 miles from the main downtown area and actually get into the national park and be with lions and uh, see every, you know. I say, our development was on the edge of town. We were like right outside the national park. And the only thing that kept our, actually our house, our block was the last one when I grew up. And there was like about a mile of woods and then there was an electric fence that separated us from the national park. Well, the irony of it is that sometimes the power will go out. You know, so, and not sometimes, that happens a lot of times. And, you know, you, you'll get a, you know, there'll be a message that goes out in the neighborhood, hey, watch out, in, you know, because there's a, there's a report that there's a cheater in the neighborhood or there's a lion. I remember even one time growing up as a kid, um, um, we're sleeping and there was some drain that was draining water. There was some puddle of water on the backyard there. And we started hearing this noise. And my dad knew exactly what it was. And it was a lion. It was just drinking water. And we could see through the window. And I tell you, uh, being in the presence of a lion in the wild is a very intimidating thing. It's not like the lion in the zoo that's caged up. And used to seeing people all the time. Lions are such creatures that are so intimidating and they're so confident. 
Uh, one time we were driving on a safari and we pulled up and there was this family of about 16 lions laying down and they just blocked the road and they were chilling. And they know you can do nothing. We just turned off the van and waited, enjoyed. They just had a good time. The calves are playing with each other, you know, they're cute. And then one lioness just came over to our van and started scratching her back. And I tell you, you know, you know that if they meant to, they could actually take your van too. So we turn off the engine and just wait. And when they decide to move out of the path, then you can go. That's just how good they are. And so being in, in that presence of the lion is very intimidating. And uh, the enemy, the Bible says, stay alert. That, that watch out, that your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion. That roar is so magnificent. It is so um, um, uh, strong. When a lion roars next to you, I tell you, um, if you are not caged in or something, you don't have some type of protection, it's just going to paralyze you. You're not even going to be able to run because he's going to, you know, just one, one pounce is all it would take. It's such a strong animal. And God created uh, that animal so, so, so beautifully and so majestically. We call the king of the beast. Now, our enemy comes around like that with such an intimidation. He says, oh, who do you think you are? Oh, well, you prayed about that last time and nothing happened. Look at you. And you start receding. I'll say nothing. Leave me alone, and I'll leave you alone. Let's have peace. We do that. I remember some time back, um, some years back, the Lord had led uh, us, my wife and I, to, to, to get out of a job that we, I had, and to start our own business. And the first year went really good. Uh, and of course, we had a savings uh, that we could write off, that could cushion us for that year. And then the second year, things, we just weren't hitting what we were projecting to hit on this, by the second year. And uh, you know those thoughts that start coming, boy, did I make a mistake here? Or, you know, God, if you want me to go back to work, I don't, I don't mind working for somebody else. But then we will pray and the Lord will say, no, no, you are where... I want you to be. And things were just not working out the way we had planned it. If you've been around me, I'm a planner. And I like to, to plan it. But God messed with me a little bit there. And, uh, but I remember, you know, if I was single, if it was just the two of us, and we didn't have, I think we had three kids at the time, um, um, I wouldn't have cared. But when you're thinking about taking care of your family and all those things, you know, I, I realized that... Uh, Fear started to, to creep in in my mind. And I was putting up a face. I said, oh, it's all right, you know, things are going well. But instead, I was really concerned. Uh, is this thing going to hold? Have you ever been in a place like that sometime? Am I just that weird or do you relate? So, and I remember during, in, the, in the deep of that season, uh, and it was a very tough season for us at the time, I had this dream and I think maybe because I grew up in Africa, I have a lot of dreams that involve animals and stuff. But uh, 
I was in this, I was in this dream, and, and, and that it was so, it's so vivid to me still. You know, there are some dreams that just like, well, you ate too much pizza the night before. But there are some dreams that really stay with you and think there, there had to be a meaning on that dream. And in this dream, I was walking around with a friend from childhood friend, okay? So, and we're walking, say, heading this way. And there was about a fence in front of us. Uh, I would say about eight feet uh, fence. And uh, when we looked back, there was a lion at full charge coming towards us. And the length, the distance between this in the dream, the distance between myself and the fence was about just where that wall is, just almost precisely that, at uh, the door there. And we start running, we start running in the dream, and I start climbing on the fence, but my knees, because of fear, my knees locked up. You know, have you ever been on a tall building if you're afraid of heights or anything like that, and the, that, 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 that feeling that just captures you and paralyzes you, thinking you're going to die. And that's exactly what I was feeling. And I was like, cold in my dream. And like, about halfway, and you know, the lion's right there. And, and, I, and a voice spoke to me at the time, and I believe this was the voice of the Lord, spoke to me and says, why are you running? You got to look back. One of the things they say uh, on, uh, with, with the, the cat family is that you know you're not going to be able to outpace a lion in the wild. But there's, there's a group of people in Kenya called the Maasai. Have you ever heard of the Maasai tribe? Okay. And they live and coexist with the animals. And they know how to handle them. You would know over there. You know, they know. And they live right, you know, you go right in the Maasai Mara. And they have their little villages with mud huts. Nothing fancy or anything. And they live. They have their cattle and everything. And they don't fight the lions. Unless a lion will mess with their heart, then the lion got to regret. But one of the things they do with, they handle lions so much differently than we would. And they look at lions in the eye and they pay each other's respect. Hey, I see you, but I'm cool. You stay cool, We're cool. you know, and they're good. And you try to run, you're not going to survive. And the, the Lord spoke to me, and he spoke, he cut right to the heart of what I was going through. Is that I was running away from the enemy. And yet the Lord, my God, was with me. I needed to turn around and face, face the enemy. I needed to stand up to the enemy. If I go down, I go down. But I wasn't supposed to run. And I woke up and I started thinking about that and the Lord realized, he just says, hey, here's what you're trying to do. You are doubting that I am leading you. You've had some hard times here and you're doubting that my hand is upon you, that I am the one guiding you and leading you. He says in Proverbs that I will teach and instruct you in the way that you should go. The Lord says that he will counsel us and watch over us. And that was a turning point for us. Because I took, I looked the enemy in the eye and began to proclaim the promises of God in my life. And knowing that no matter what happens, he says that he shall never leave you, he shall never forsake you. He will be with you everywhere you go. He will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. When the enemy comes, uh, he says, the Lord is still going to be, he's going to fight your battles. You are a child of the Most High God. You are a daughter of the King. 
Let the enemy not mess with you anymore. Let the enemy not mess with your family. See, lions uh, have uh, this, uh, they're very territorial. And in fact, they're not very violent. They won't just kill you for nothing unless you don't understand the territory. But if you try to cross the territory, they will pounce. And I'm saying, I'm not saying just go around looking for a fight. But the enemy, when he crosses the line of the child of God, he better watch out. For my king says, he did it at the cross. He tries to touch my children. He tries to touch my child. He tries to touch my life. Hey, he better watch out. And I'm not conceding. Because he who is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Amen. Can I... He comes like a roaring lion, seeking to him he might devour. We have a better lion. He's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the great, he's the only lion I'm concerned about. You know, in Revelation, the, Jesus talks to the seven churches. Some churches were doing fair enough. Some were just doing horrible. Some were doing great. And there's something that Jesus says to each one of the churches in, uh, in Revelation. One, one statement that he repeats over and over and over again is the statement that let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Okay? There's also another phrase, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, in Revelation in each one of the churches. There's another line at the end of each one. It says, and he who overcomes. And there is a blessing connected to it. He did that over and over. Every one of the seven churches, there was a promise that was attached to those that overcome. In the good churches, in the not so good churches. And every time it was a good thing. In fact, in Revelation, one of the churches says, To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The next one, he says, To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name, and written in it, which no one else knows except the one who receives it. And in the next one is, then who, he, who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. To him who overcomes shall be clothed with white garments. And I will, blot, I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who overcomes, the next one, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of his new city my God, of my God and the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven from God. And I will write on him a new name. Another one, it says that to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on the throne as I also overcame and sat down at my father's throne. There is a promise and a blessing associated with overcomers to every church. The overcoming spirit needs to be started up from within. It's not going to be from out there. It could be something with your health. It could be something with your finances. It could be something with your family. It could be your, something with your employment. It doesn't matter. You've got to find your place as a child of God 
and determine that you are taking your place in the heavenlies. You're taking your place as a child of God. And that you're going to overcome anything that the enemy brings. The battles from within, the invisible battles that happen within us are very hard. I love this scripture, one that says um, in uh, Psalm 112 verse 7. It says, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. It is so easy what just the bad news can do to your mind and to your heart. And it's a roller coaster. I even had that two weeks ago. I was telling my wife, boy, I feel tired. I was like, and then I realized I'd gotten two, three different calls that were not very encouraging calls. But I didn't realize how much I had it at the back of my mind. And just going about my week, I'm thinking, I just feel out of it this week. And it was the bad news that was just kind of messing with me back there. And the Lord reminded me of that, that I needed to refuse that. That I will not be afraid of evil tidings. Okay? My heart is fixed. I'm trusting in the Lord. Okay? Here's how you do it. Psalm 131, 1 to 3 says, The Lord... Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither concern myself with great matters. That is not admitting that you're not smart or intelligent. It's just recognizing there are some things you cannot change. Don't concern yourself with things that you can do nothing about. No, with things too profound for me. Someone might read that and think, oh, geez, am I admitting that I'm not intelligent? No, it's not a test on your intelligence. It's actually an affirmation of it. That there are some things that I cannot control. And by that I'm not going to concern myself too much. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a wind child with his mother. Like a wind child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Instead of Israel, delete that and put your name on there. Hey Solo, hope in the Lord from this day forth. And I lifted my spirit up. I realized the bad news was having a tear on my wig. I didn't even know it was in my subconscious. But when I recognized it, my countenance changed, my spirit changed, my attitude changed, and I was able to see and rise above it. Don't you thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit who lifts us up all the time? It's those battles from within that the enemy is so masterful at staging them to bring us down, to keep us down, and sometimes just to keep us okay when we've been built for greatness. I want to say to you, Life Church, that the Lord is wanting to deposit an overcoming spirit in this church. An ability to take this city like never before. To take your territory that God has already ordained for you to take in this city and to see his kingdom come, to see his will being done in Bloomington as it is in heaven. Can I get an amen? 